This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Hello and welcome back, my friend. And this week, I am super pumped to be sitting here talking with Mike Van Pelt. Mike and I have had a few conversations out outside of this one, and so, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is this is one that could go long. We'll keep it a little shorter, uh, you know, than uh, probably where we could go. But uh, Mike is an author, a speaker, just an amazing man who wants to help other men. Uh, he's got his own podcast. He's a host of the uh, True Man podcast. And so you're really in for a treat today. And, uh, you know, if, if I'll give you a little glimpse, if you're struggling in asking for help, this is going to be one that's going to be helpful. And I'm going to be taking notes after this because I can promise you this is one that's uh, just going to be packed with, hey, I'm not the only one that struggles with this, but yes, I can certainly improve in it. So. I'm excited for this one. Mike, how are you doing today, my friend? Man, I'm awesome. You really built me up there pretty good. I hope I can uh, meet the expectation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll expect to see a deposit in my... Uh, <laughs> right, right. Check is in the mail. Check yeah, is there in. you go. Now, we do we do Venmo and <laughs> we, we don't wait for the mail. Oh, wait. He's serious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, my friend, um, let's start. What does life look like for you professionally to, uh, at this point in time? Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm a men's life coach and, uh, you know, that always, uh, is met with either like, oh, that's interesting or a few Snickers. Um, and usually those Snickers, uh, I just hand on my business cards. It's okay. You don't need to admit to it. <laughs> you want to talk with somebody right now, but give me a call when you get a chance. And so, you know, as part of that, one of the things that, that, uh, we started was a podcast, true, the true man podcast with this whole idea of just helping men be better men, better fathers, better husbands. And it just felt to me like in this time and place that, uh, that we find ourselves in globally, that there was a need for that, that men in my experience, uh, of being around them over the last really five or six years, which is how my whole business was really built out, was me uh, joining a men's small group, developing a men's small group, and uh, really finding myself in that group and uh, going to uh, a retreat and just getting out in the woods and uh, you know having some alone time with God. And, and uh, those things really help shape my business model and where it's at now. And I took what I knew professionally and I took my faith life and, and tried to build them out together. And I just recognized that there was a shortage of other, of men walking alongside other men, you know, to help coach them 
in situations where they just had a lot of questions in their life. And because uh, as men, we're really good about burying stuff deep in our souls, hoping that we don't ever have to deal with it. And usually how that comes out is in the relationships of our life, you know, with our children or with our wife. And uh, because when you haven't dealt with your own stuff, your own baggage sometimes in your life, you haven't looked in the mirror and dealt with old wounds or hurts that have happened in your life, they have a crazy way of coming back and catching up with you, especially at a point in your life where, you know, you're thinking about a lot and, you know, that middle age life which is, is kind of where I, I niche, really. When you're starting to think about, God, my kids are getting older. Have I been the dad I wanted to be? Have I even been the husband that I wanted to be? And what the heck is my legacy? You know, if I'm leaning towards the fourth quarter of life, how do I want to, how do I want to go out? How do I want to be remembered? And um, those are great questions to be asking because it comes from a place of curiosity. And um, I like to meet men there in that place and walk alongside them and and work through all of that if they're ready, if they're ready in that and they've asked for help, right? Mm. So professionally, that's 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 where I'm at. And I'm I'm really enjoying professionally where I'm at right now, trying to build this out as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I have I'm just sitting back going, yeah. If they ask for help, because for the longest time, I didn't not ask for help. And uh, you could have put everybody that, you know, was like top in in the area around me would not have heard one single thing. The walls would have gone up and it it is so crucial that it's like if we want help, you know, then we need to be able to ask for it. I think a lot of guys are like that, you know, periodically somebody will. I, I don't. What I don't like is this term fix, fix, right? How can you fix me? How can you, you know, I can't. I've had a couple of moms recently call me and say, listen, and in both cases, there was no father involved in the, in the situation. Uh, they called me and they said, you know, my son really needs some guidance. And I said, I can't help you. And they're like, well, why can't you help me? Because I need your son to ask, not you. Uh, because in, in, what ultimately happens in those situations is I'm going to be pulling information, trying to pull information out rather than pushing somebody to be their very best. And so, you know, and I, I will tell you in those situ- both of those situations, I hated to say no, right? Because I know that there was a young man there that probably needed that guidance and they weren't getting it. But we were just going to sit and stare at each other ultimately. <laughs> you know, so I had to say no. And I told both of them, if you're, if you will speak to your son and they are willing and able to talk to me, then I'll, I'll do it. But it has to come from them. Yeah. When you mentioned about, you know, burying emotions and uh hurts it, to me it's almost like as if we think about barrels of toxin that we mm-hmm. bury 
And it's like, unfortunately, those barrels don't stay solid. They will rust and deteriorate over the years. And yeah, it, you know, in life, that's like the experience is just kind of wearing away at it. And that percolates up at the most inopportune time. Not that I ever think there's probably an in an opportune time. Right. But it's like, okay, I'm already struggling with my wife and there's this going on with work. Oh, and now I get to face this situation from my past. It's like, fantastic. You had to really, you know, yeah. put your head up at this time and rear it up. Well, think about it this way. If you don't take care of your car, right? Every 5,000 miles or so, you got to rotate the tires. You got to change the oil. I mean, you got to maintain your car. If you don't maintain your car, it's not going to last very long. And, you know, really us as humans, we're the same way. Now, I love to golf. I've had a golf coach in my life. I've had a life coach in my life. I've had a business coach in my life. I consider my pastors, um, you know, uh, my faith coaches. I consider my doctors, my health coaches. Why? I know that in life, if I don't have coaches or people to help me or walk alongside me, I can't be my best and I can't do it all on my own. And at this point in my life, I'm humble enough to admit I can't do it all on my own and that I need that guidance from time to time or somebody to help me stay on track. And so it's, it's all about that maintenance and that care that you take for yourself. And I always laugh because some people do like you're a men's life coach. (laughs) That's kind of funny. I mean, why would you take time and money and effort to have a good golf swing, but not have your, but not be the best person you could be? So would you, is it fair to say that your golf swing is more important than your life? You know, for some of us, when that's one where our identity comes from. Well, yeah, yeah. And and so that that's a whole other discussion that we get into sometimes because, you know, men, you know, a lot of times their identity, for example, is tied to their job, their career. That's a big thing. So when you meet another dude uh, half the time, right, the conversation goes, you know, well, hi, what's your name and what do you do? And if they're a doctor and a lawyer, you put them in this bucket. If they haul garbage for a living, you put them in this bucket. And and this is this is how we self-identify with a lot of people. Now, I went through a personal period in my life where that professional picture wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I couldn't get the jobs that I wanted to be that I knew that I was capable of. And I internalized the nose. And then it became a case of, I guess I'm just not worthy for that. And in that, I lost my identity because I was supposed to be the man. And a lot of us grew up in this environment. I was supposed to be the man, the man that took care of my family. I'm supposed to be the guy that was a breadwinner. Right. And a lot of us grew up with that. And I went through periods of my professional career where if somebody came up to me and asked me what I did, I would literally curl up in the fetal position because I didn't know what to say. Now, my wife was, um, uh, has had a great career. She's been um, a senior executive in, in a couple of different organizations. So from that standpoint, our family was doing really well. But my personal image of myself was not good because I felt like I needed to be doing something other than, uh, at the time, being a stay-at-home dad. And, um, you know, I, I, was, I was wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying I didn't en- en- enjoy it, 
but the you know it but my point is is that men sometimes we we lose our identity in certain things whether it's our job whether it's in how many cars you have in the garage or how big your house is and and those are just things that's not how you want to identify your life because you'll end up miserable trying to compete with everybody else yeah and that's where then you only when you're competing do you feel like you're elevated or right you know feeling worthwhile well before we go before we continue on down there let's jump back to the second part of the conversation second question what does life look like for you uh personally at this time yeah you know we're going through quite a season of life in my house so um you know this year my wife and i'll be married uh 27 years and uh our son is finishing his sophomore year of college and my daughter is a senior in high school and she's graduating and she's moving on uh to college next year and so it's just kind of one of those funny things where it's like i guess it's that empty even though my son he's going to college locally and he he lives here it's 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 like well they're they're completely independent right and so mom and dad don't, we're, we're not needed anymore, you know? And, uh, and then, you know, on the, on the opposite spectrum, you know, our parents are getting up there in age and going through some health issues. And so, you know, we're kind of walking through that period of life where, you know, we're parenting our parents. Right. And, and so it's, a, it's an interesting perspective to be in. And there's really been a lot of adjustments for our family over the last couple of years, because during COVID, my wife's job was eliminated and we, we had to move to a new city. We're now um, in a suburb outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And so we got to, you know, we had to, you know, meet new people, choose new doctors, go to new schools. And it's, so there's been a lot of transition in our personal lives and uh, it's really been um, an interesting time frame to go through personally. Um, and, and quite honestly, I, it's hard for me to separate what I do personally and professionally. They're so, they're so, um, you know, intertwined together and, uh, you know, I work out of the house and, and we've gone through a house remodel. It's just been crazy. There's been so many, it, but in so many respects, it's been kind of fun. It's kind of fun to go through a little, not the health concerns with the parents, but, but yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, it's been fun to go through uh, some of these changes because you realize as you grow and mature that you're more prepared for them. You know, 20 years ago, this some of these things would have been really hard to go through. And and now, you know, it's just kind of enjoyable to have new scenery, have a new house, meet new people, um, you know, and, and and enjoy those types of things. So it's uh, it's it's been an interesting experience, but it's been a good one at the same time. Yeah, I was going to say, as you're, even as you're transitioning, like with your children, I mean, there's a change in identity there as well. Yeah. You know, because it's like, okay, you know, if you're, if you're too wrapped up in your children, it's like, well, now who needs, like, where's my worth? Where's my value? Um, yeah. So it can be an interesting time. I mean, are you guys kind of experiencing that as well at this point? Yeah. You know, the move was something else because we, 
we were optimistic we wouldn't have to move, but we figured we probably would. And so when you're moving, um, particularly with our daughter, she was moving as a junior in high school. She's got to leave everything behind that she knows, all of her friends. And, you know, she was very comfortable. We had a great school the kids were going to. Um, she's very involved in the arts. So, you know, her coaches and everything we had to leave behind and start over. It was a tough transition. And the first couple of weeks of school, um, I was more than a little worried. <laughs> I was a little worried uh, at how this thing was going to go down. But it, after a couple of weeks, it worked itself out. And the beautiful part about being in the arts and being a performer like she is, is it's kind of like being involved in athletics. There's a built-in family there. You know, there's a group of people to lean on. And, you know, she was able to lean on them and begin to get to know them. And they were, you know, to get to get, get able to get to know her. And so we went from, oh man, this is like tragic and, you know, it's not going to work out the best to, you know, in a couple of weeks, all that was gone and she was making new friends and we moved on. I think for my son, it was a little bit more difficult because we spent two nights in our new house and then we threw everything in the car and took him off to college, uh, you know, five hours down the road. And so it was good for him to get away, but he definitely got caught up in our little mess of what's mom and dad, how are they going to transition? Where do, you know, what does this look like? And then he had some challenges his freshman year scheduling and all that fun stuff. And it was good for him to get away. And what he found out was that where he went was not for him. And so from that perspective, it, you know, it was a good thing to, to work through with them. But, um, it, it's, uh, you know, I always laugh at people because right. We've all gotten that advice, man, you know, they grow up fast and the reality is they grow up fast. I mean, you're, you know, one minute you're holding them in your arms and the next minute, you know, you're picking out colleges and, um, you know, it, it's, uh, man, I'm just glad I have two good kids. They're great. I, I, all praise goes to their mom. <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, let's jump back a bit, Mike. Like, um, so when you were, um, quite a bit younger, you found out you needed, uh, glasses and like those glasses while that's like, Hey, yeah, I can help see. Oftentimes I don't think we consider the changes that go on, how they impact mm. like our perception of ourself and how we believe other people are going to see us and kind of how that changes our actions. Can you share with us like, you know, when you got the glasses, kind of what was yeah. going on and, and how that set things, you know, both mentally and emotionally for you at that time? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I reflect on it now and it's kind of kind of funny, although at the time I'm sure I thought it was very funny. So, you know, it, um, uh, one of my teachers actually recognized that I was more or less kind of looking at the chalkboard cross-eyed, you know, yes, we had chalkboards back then. And, uh, <laughs> you remember those Mike chalkboards. 
No, uh, I, now, I don't not, remember those. Not these nope. smart boards. We've, they move from whiteboard onto smart board fairly quickly. Um, but, uh, you know, she recognized that, you know, I wasn't, my vision wasn't, wasn't right. And um, so my mom took me to the eye doctor and he, the doctor performed this test. And basically what I saw was the, the uh, moon jumping over the cow. And what I was supposed to see was the cow jumping over the moon, right? I, I I wonder if they still perform this test to this day. I don't know. But um, so ultimately I had astigmatism, a little lazy eye and, you know, the, they, uh, they put me in glasses. Well, that was in 1976. And it's kind of funny nowadays they catch these things fairly quickly, but 1976, I was the only dude that showed up in glasses uh, in, 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 uh, you know, there may, may have been a handful in the school. I just don't even remember, but, there were there weren't more than a couple of kids that had glasses. And of course, when you're young like that in first grade, you know, there's there's gonna be that bullying that goes on. But what I started to get out of that was I noticed there was this trend to say, Oh, well, you wear glasses, so you must be smart, right? And, you know, interestingly enough, I was also a little introverted. And so I um I didn't want anybody to think I was dumb. So I stopped asking questions. You know, I was never the first to raise my hand or ask any questions. And I didn't want to be uh, revealed for something, you know, I, I was smart. Don't get me wrong. I'm maybe a little lazy, right? Um, and I was definitely far more interested in sports uh, than cracking a book open, for sure. But, you know, what I quickly realized was that, well, I mean, man, you can't ask for help because people think you're smart. You wear glasses, you know? And uh, so I just stopped asking questions. And I, I think academically, I maybe got a little behind as a result of that. And uh, I think it probably hampered my, my confidence a little bit. And, uh, but that, you know, I, and I, didn't really think about this a whole lot until I was an adult and really started to discern, well, why is it that you have a hard time asking for help? And uh, I really started thinking about this quite a bit when I went to uh, a retreat. Uh, now, in this particular retreat, I was uh, an observer. And uh, what I observed was a team building exercise by a group of men. And we actually blindfolded them in a, in a gym, and then we took them out to a ropes course. And at the ropes course, they were actually, they here, here were the rules they were given. We're going to take you out to the course, and you have to find your way out. Here are the rules. Keep the blindfold on at all times. Keep one hand on the rope. And if you need help, just raise your hand and ask for help. And so we take them out to the ropes course. They all have put one hand on the rope and they start going around in a circle. And then guy says, you know, here are the rules again, just so you know, keep your blindfold on at all times, keep your hand on the rope and raise your hand if you ask for help. Now, the caveat to this situation is there was no way out except for one. And he was giving them the hint the entire time, which is. If you raise your hand and ask for help, he would come over to you and tell you, okay, now you can, you can jump out. 
And so it took almost 30 minutes before the entire group realized what was going on. And my point in telling you that story is that so much of the time in life, we'll circle around trying to find a way out when there isn't one without raising your hand and asking somebody for help. And so, you know, I, when I saw, when I was at this retreat and I, I, um, saw this along with a couple of other things that happened, I really became fascinated at why I had such a hard time asking for help and really why I was seeing other men have a hard time ask for help, you know, because so many of us go through stuff in our life. And like I said earlier, we just bury it, hoping that we'll figure it out along the way. And some people maybe do figure it out along the way, but a lot don't. And if you're one of those guys that's gone through life and you're trying to figure it out, you just can't figure it out. What are you going to do about it? You going to go through life like that? Or do you just want to put your hand up in the air and ask for help? I would suggest you put your hand up in the air and ask for help. There are plenty of people there that I, I would think that would help you. And if, if, if you're not around people that would help you, perhaps you're not around the right people. That is a very exact and, and honest statement on that. Because <laughs> I have been in those situations where it's like, it wasn't a good idea to ask for help. And if I had, I wouldn't have gotten the help that was needed. So it it's definitely dependent upon being around the right people. But oftentimes, I don't think you will know you're around the right people unless you give it that chance. Yeah. You know, I, I'll say this. You know, is there a risk in asking for help? There's a risk in everything we do in life. But there's also a risk of not asking for help. And that risk is you get to keep living the way you're living. Now, if living the way you're living makes you happy, that's one thing. However, if living the way you're living makes you feel uncomfortable, causes you to have a lot of questions about yourself, or maybe your relationships just suck. You know, could it, could it be that the man in the mirror, I think they even wrote a book on that. Uh, could it be that the man in the mirror needs to change his ways? Possibly. And, in, and I would say in a lot of cases, that's true. You know, if you look at the divorce rate in this country, it, it's well over 50%. And since COVID, it's gotten worse. And, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. <laughs> uh, you know, COVID wasn't the, the most desirable experience to go through for a lot of reasons. And maybe some of us just had too much time with somebody that we found out we didn't like. But if you look at the divorce rate, initial divorce, you know, well over 50%. Second marriages fell higher than first marriages. Third marriages fell higher than second. Why, why is that? Because people just bring their baggage along with them, hoping that that next person they find will be the right person. And maybe that could have been the right person. But the reality is, until you look in the mirror and take care of your own business, you're never going to know who the right person is because you got to take care of you first. It's like a plane ride. Every, we've all been in, if anybody that's flown knows that the proverbial initial speech is coming. 
where we talk, have the safety speech, right? So if the plane's going down and the airbags drop, the first thing they tell you is put the airbag on you, not your neighbor first. And the reason that they do that is you can't help your neighbor if you're over in the corner of the plane passed out. Simple as that. You got to take care of you first before you can take care of anybody else. And that's where a lot of relationships fail is that we fail to see. I, and I know this has happened for me and my marriage, you know, where, you know, yes, we've been married for 27 years, but not unlike most people, you know, you go through the ups and downs and everything. And most of the downs were because I was down. I wasn't happy with me. And I couldn't take care of my wife or my kids in the way they needed to be taken care of because I felt like crap. You know, so it, it, these are things you have to deal with you before you deal, before you move on, really. So as you've gone through, you know, life and both your marriage and parenting and, and career, what are a couple questions that you've discovered that, you know, if you had asked sooner, they would have been, you know, just giving you that, that change a lot faster in your life than trying to just tough it out to figure it out as you're going along. What are a couple questions that if you had asked them would have given you that, uh, get ahead pass, so to speak. You know, this is, um, one of the interesting things that happened to me in my life is that I've been a Christian all my life and, but I wasn't alive in my faith and it wasn't until I went to a retreat and it was on a Saturday morning and the director of the camp said, we're going to play three worship songs this morning and I want you to hear these songs as in God's singing them to you. And they played a song by Josh Groban, which isn't really a worship song, but it was more the words of the song called You Are Loved. And I heard him start playing that. And they we didn't have to get too deep into that. And I, I heard God basically say to me, you are my beloved son, and I want an intimate relationship with you. And it was really in that moment, I darn near hit the ground. And I realized I didn't really have that intimate relationship with God. I, I, I always thought it was hierarchical. In other words, God's up here and I'm, I'm down here. I'm a sinner. So I just, you got to ask for forgiveness. I didn't realize that an intimate relationship was really available. And this happened in the spring of 2019. And um, so not, not really all that, that long ago. And I realized in that moment that I was going to have to give up a level of control in my life, that I couldn't control everything and I needed to stop controlling. And I needed to turn myself over to God in a more intimate way. And it was really in that moment where I began to grow much more. I had much more personal awareness because I was starting to slow myself down. It's the challenge of what we have in our culture. Everything's fast food, right? Fast food. We got to go 100 miles an hour. You know, it's, it, everything's fast, 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 fast. And I love speed. Uh, I love indie race cars. I love speed. Okay. <laughs> Dirty little secret. Um, and, but, but in life, 
speed's not always good. Now, I'm a golfer. I showed up at my golf club one day. And the golf pro said to me at, at, at the time, had a pretty good relationship with him. He said, Mike, did you just see how fast you walked up here from your car? And I'm like, I wasn't paying any attention. I just hopped out of my car and walked up there as fast as I possibly could. He goes, Mike, that's not a good way to start your round. Go back to your car and walk up here slower. And so I did. And basically what I worked with him on was a routine that started at my house, a stretching routine where I began to slow everything down and get in a more relaxed state where I hopped in my car and forced myself to drive only 20 miles an hour up to the club and, and just go slower, just slow down and to be present in that moment. And we worked out a routine that started before you know, at my house before I ever left to go to the club so that I could slow down and begin to enjoy life. And I tell that story to say, we're all moving so fast. We're all moving so fast. And what we really need to do is slow down and enjoy the journey that we're on and to be present with the people that we're around, with the events that are going on. I mean, enjoy that round of God. There's a round of golf. There's so much beauty around you when you get out on the golf course and it's all God's creation. And so you have to slow down and enjoy that journey. And I think what I've learned to do by giving some of that control, that white knuckling me driving around, you know, trying to control everything by, by really putting my faith into God, it's allowed me to slow down and just enjoy those moments so much more. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I hope I answered your question, but I, you know, but, but I, I think that's what so much of it is for me. It's just, you know, we got to slow down because life comes at you so, so fast, right? I was telling you the story earlier, you know, my father goes in for surgery and, um, you know, now having an artery cleaned out, so it's a big deal. But I mean, the surgeon that had done it had a very high success rate. He'd done almost 4,000. But during surgery, you know, my father-in-law had a stroke. And, you know, now, you know, he's in rehabilitation. He's not, the, that's not the same guy that walked into that hospital, you know? And it, you know, we know over time this will work itself out, but boom. Just like that, within a matter of hours, now we got a situation. <laughs> we we have to retrofit a house. We ha- you know he can't drive anymore. I mean, just all of these things that were normal a couple of days ago now are just not normal. And that's how fast life moves. And so that's why it's important. And since I work with men, I'm going to say men, but we know that men and women, you know, is, c- is kind of applicable to both. That we have to put in the work. On ourselves, we have to do the work so that when those events happen, when that next it happens, and it will happen, that you're better prepared, that you you can handle it better, that you don't get angry and throw your fist through the wall. Um, you know, so that's what I when I say doing the work is all about. 
what did you see as far as like when you were, when you were changing, right? In your life, what was that point that caused you to actually ask for help? Was there something within like <laughs> marriage or parenting or just personally that, that was that, that pivotal point? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. Um, I've really noticed this a lot over the last couple of years as I've become an entrepreneur. This is where it showed up the most because I was in a state of readiness. I was in a state of curiosity. I was in a state of having a desire to learn because I'd done the, the, kind of corporate America thing. And I tried to go back in getting my education and it just, it didn't work out. And I'm okay with that. Now I understand the breadcrumbs that God put in place for me to get to where I am. But what I realized was I may not be the best well-equipped to be an entrepreneur. So what did it, what did it look like if I were to ask for help? You know, and so I started networking. We started the podcast. And the one of the first things I did was because I didn't have any experience talking in front of a microphone. That may surprise somebody listening to this right now. I don't know. But but I hired a podcast coach, a guy that had been on radio for 30 years. Why? Because I wanted to get comfortable with what I was doing. I had a coach helping me uh you know, with my coaching practice. So, you know, that I was not afraid to build my network and start looking for people that I felt like could help me in my business. And, you know, that was critically important. And so what does that equate to now over two years later? It equates to, I just shake my head half the time and go, Wow, this is incredible because, you know, the the amount of people that come to me to be on the podcast and I just flat out say it's a God thing. It's a God thing because more than half the people that come to me, I, I've not even asked. They they found me through various tools and means, um, you know, and and there's just story after story like that that I have. We'd be on here all day if I started talking about the um, strategic partnerships that have come my way over the last couple of years. And it, it's because I just opened myself up to be vulnerable, basically to hear the word no. You know, And the reality is you will hear the word no when you open yourself up and ask for help. The reality is some people in your life don't like change. They like you right the way you are. And if you're going to change in life, you're going to have to adjust. And some people aren't going to like that. And maybe, just maybe, you're going to have to move on from some of those people. And and I know that may be uncomfortable to hear, but you know, uh, you're going to have to get uncomfortable anyway if you're going to make a change. So, um, you know, I would say fight fight through it, but. Uh, you know, in my business relationships, that's where I've seen it the most. Not being afraid to ask for help or hearing the word no, which I did not like to hear, by the way, <laughs> for most of my professional career. 
Um, I'm okay with hearing the word no. Actually, the most offensive thing I hear is maybe. Hmm. Give me a yes or no. Give me a yes or no. Don't sit on that old fence now. Come on. So, you know, but it's okay for negative responses to occur. It means you're closer to a, a positive one. And that's how I've looked at it. And I didn't, I haven't always looked at it that way. Yeah. I think that's, that's a pretty big mind shift when it's like, I'm going to put myself in a position where I could receive a no, but often I know I didn't, I didn't consider the fact of not asking was automatically a no. (laughs) Yeah. In, in asking my wife, Hey, do you want to go do this? It could be a yes. You know, do you want to go see this new movie? Yeah. I'd love to go with you. It could also be no, that doesn't interest me in the least, but I think also there's a consideration that it's like, Hey, in, in me asking, I'm wanting to include somebody in that. Some people will pick that up in like, I'm honored. I appreciate the fact that you wanted to include me and you've actually said, Hey, do you want to join me? Not this time, maybe next time, you know? Um, but how many opportunities and, you know, not just for events or activities, but for growth, do we miss out on by playing it safe yeah. and not asking? Is that something well, you've, you've experienced? As well? Oh, gosh, 100%. So I was at a retreat here uh, a year ago. It's one that I've been to a couple of times where I, you know, when I was telling that story, um, right, I, I, I heard God speak and, and they were talking about this because what happens a lot of times uh, when you sign up for a, a men's retreat is that there's, there's always three or four guys that, that spiritual warfare takes them out. In other words, they were signed up to go and then they're like, yeah, I might find out something there. I may not want to, you know, know about, or that, you know, they've got some kind of excuse on why they, they shouldn't go and they don't show up. So we were having this conversation and, uh, the guy goes, if you knew what you were going to miss out on, you know, and it really hit me between the eyes because I love retreat weekends. I do not like the accommodations. Okay. I'm not a, a camp cabin sleep in the woods guy. All right. I'm just going to tell you right now, but I go and, and being in a cabin with 20 guys snoring is not much fun either, but, 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 but I go because of what I get out of it and I wouldn't miss it for the world because again we're really bad at slowing ourselves down and when you're at a camp with you know um there's one this weekend right here in Atlanta that um I think they they'll have a couple hundred guys I've I've been up to 400 when when you get in an environment where other guys are supportive, loving, uh, worshiping the same God you are, and you're taking the time to answer very powerful questions, taking the time to discern very powerful questions. Um, who does that? I'm awful about that, right? And so, you know, when you get a whole weekend like that, it can transform your life in an amazingly powerful way. And, um, 
Yeah. So I, I found that those things are um, incredibly powerful. So when you're first beginning to ask questions, ask for help, what are some, you know, like stepping stones or, you know, tips in, in getting to that point where it's like, okay, Hey, I'm, I'm asking for help for what I actually need. And I'm stepping forward. Like what are some things <laughs> that you've coached others on how to, how to step into that yeah. activity? Well, here's what, here's what you're going to have to fight through the fear that that's first and foremost, there's, there's pro there's a strong likelihood that, um, the reason you're not taking action is, you know, because there's fear of something or, you know, too much pride, you know, you're going to have to put your humility aside a little bit. And so, you know, I'm sure there's more, but, you know, I've looked at things of like the fear of uncertainty, the fear of just being authentic and real are gigantic things that men have to deal with. That feeling of unworthiness. I mean, that's something that I went, went through. And so I think more than anything, you're going to have to fight through these fears and be okay with the fact that it's okay to ask for help. You know, uh, we were kind of joking because I said, well, this is, hey, that's actually in the book, the whole mantra of fake it until you make it. You know, that's commonly used in business. Fake it till you make it. That's, that's, and I, I used to say that all the time. And then I realized, ooh, that's kind of like not really all that great a language. And, and I say in the book, you know, if you're, if your mantra is fake it till you make it, you may be hiding behind something that you're not. There's no authenticity in faking it till you make it, you know? Um, now, of course, have a positive attitude about everything that's going on, but be realistic about everything that's going on. And so, especially in a lot of the men's communities that I'm in, we commonly talk about not wearing a mask, not posing. In other words, be authentic. You know, if if you're trying to be something you're not, and your identity's tied up in it, you're not going to be a very likable or pleasant person to be around. Likely, you know, and I, you know, and I was one of those guys that tried to fake it until he made it for a long time in life. And I found it to be a lot of work. And the danger, I think for us specifically in, you know, individually, in doing that is that if we're struggling with identity or worth, anything along those lines, we're not going to feel like we've made it. So you're continually faking it because making it isn't a destination that you feel like you've ever accomplished that it's, it's like that moving target, right? You're never going to hit it. So you're always faking it because you know, you're, you don't have that worth to say, yes, this is what I want. And this is when I've made it. And so you continue faking it. Yeah. Um, hoping that nobody finds you out as a fraud. And that's the other shoe that you're waiting to, you know, fall at some point. Well, yeah. And, and, and listen, 
being real and asking for help, some people would say, oh, well, that shows weakness. No, it shows strength. It, it absolutely shows strength. And it's a healthy way to live. It's a vital way to live. And it's a powerful way to live. It's the opposite of how a lot of people use it. It really is. And so, you know, I look at my life today and how I treat things. Um, you know, Mike, I'm so blessed with to to have this conversation with you today prior to to us even, you know, recording this podcast. We we had, oh my gosh, we had a, a quite the conversation about podcasting and all the media and things behind it. And I, you know, I'm so grateful for that because that comes from a place of of help you know and that we that both of us want each other to be better and we want to impact the world really in a very similar way and you bring expertise to the table that I don't have and I may bring expertise to the table that you don't have but somewhere in the middle we meet and we join forces and we're way more powerful together than we are apart and that's where you know what a blessing it is to have so many strategic partnerships going on and have so many business opportunities. And if I wasn't open to all of that, I don't even know where I'd be today. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now, you know? And so, you know, when you open yourself up to the world of possibilities and just lose that other crap, because that's exactly what it is. It's just crap baggage that's dragging you behind it's a boat anchor and it's weighty and it's heavy and it's just no fun. And there's a better way to live, you know, a, a, a much more powerful place to live from. And, um, you know, I don't know anybody that's carrying around baggage that doesn't need help. But, you know, that's, and that's where this whole idea of talking more about, especially men asking for help. I think is critically important because, man, we will fight it. <laughs> we will fight it, and um, I get that. I get that, but don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, I think the other thing, like you're talking about, coming together and collaborating, working together, and and finding even bigger success, is when we're in a position of insecurity is that we'll spend more time trying to figure things out because we feel like we need to know it all, right? I need to be the man who knows everything about everything. Yeah. One, it's not possible, but two, it is just so draining. So even where you're gifted, you know, where, where it's like, Hey, I shine when we talk about golf or barbecue or whatever the case may be, you don't have the energy to really go deep on it and become, you know, better versed in it to become more practiced. And you don't have the, the energy to actually like really bring to it when those opportunities present for you to shine and, and rise above where you're, you're actually, you know, really talented. Yeah. It, it's important that we get out of our own head, mm -hmm. you know, and I commonly say to people, what I help guys do is get out of their head and into their heart. And you got to get in touch, you know, with your heart, that little brain that is really 
um, uh, sometimes more powerful than your head, right? You got to get in touch with your heart. You know, not only is that where your love comes from, that's where your wounds reside. And, you know, some of those wounds and hurts and some of that stuff, you know, we've all, we've all had it. We've all had it. I don't know anybody who's gotten through life without something, you know, and it's just get in touch with your heart and get out of your head and get some of that stuff that's been sitting there stewing, just bubbling up because it's, it's, it's trying to get out. It's trying to get out and it, we, we just don't want to talk about it. Right? It's trying to get out. And I'll tell you, I just found that one of the more cleansing things that you could do is just let it out. That that may mean you just sit down and cry about it. You know, whatever the case may be, but there's got to be a starting point where, um, you know, I remember <laughs> saying crying about it. I remember at a certain point when our kids were really young and and I just was not feeling professionally fulfilled at all. And I knew I had to take action. And I remember I'd been working with a career coach and just sitting at the kitchen table, sobbing with my wife going, I know what I need to do, but I'm, I'm about to start over. And I, I got, you know, I got to sit down at the bottom of that mountain and start climbing. And, and I just remember sobbing thinking, I know this is going to be hard, but it was that starting point. And um, gosh, I, I want to say that was back in 2010. So it's been a number, been a number of years. But, but, but it, it, you know, the, those breadcrumbs started to get laid out. They started to get laid out. And, and, and now, you know, I reflect back on all of it. And I know exactly why I'm at this pl- place in time. Yeah, hindsight is 2020. Um, I know like as we're beginning to ask for help, put ourselves out there that, you know, that, that fear may still be there, mm-hmm. but in order to continue growing in, you know, that skill set in that ability, what are like some resources that you've used or some things that, you know, you've been told as far as how you keep growing in that ability of, of asking for help, how do you keep moving forward instead of just like, okay, I've done this. I'm going to stay in the kindergarten of asking questions. How do you move through the grades? Oh, you know, it's just that power of positivity. You know, um, I think, I think first and foremost, it starts with an intimate relationship with Christ, you know, um, the power of prayer, reading scripture, Find men's groups. Um, if you don't know one, we'll give out my contact information. I got access to groups around the country. And if we can't find one in your area, we'll, we'll, trust me, we will find one in your area. <laughs> Challenge me on that one. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, get involved in men's groups. Get around authentic and real and oriented men. The other thing that you can do outside of your faith life is start reading self-help material. Start changing your mindset. 
go to TEDx, go to YouTube, watch. There is so there is so much positive self-help material out there that can help you begin to change your mindset. So much of the time, that's what this is. It's a negative mindset. If you're around negative people, maybe you need to change the people that you're around. None of this is easy. I know I've, I've been there. I've done that. And, you know, but all of it is, uh, you know, a part of making that shift a little bit at the time right here at my desk on my computer monitor. Um, I have a sticky note that says 1% every day, not 100%, not 90, not 80, not 110. Cause that's not mathematically possible. Um, 1% every day. Why? Because I just want to get a little bit better every day and you can't eat the whole elephant at once. And that's what you need to realize is that, you know, these mindset challenges, in some cases, you may be over, trying to overcome years of, of negative stuff. You know, maybe it was something somebody said to you. Like I had to overcome some money stuff that I didn't even know was there. Cause right for years I heard, Hey, money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, um, we can't sit in the front row of church. Cause that's where all the uh, rich people live, you know? And then I started, or that's where all the rich people sit. You know, I started having all these negative mindset around money and that's not good when you're not, <laughs> you know? So you, you know, it's so much of this is about overcoming fear, taking risk and getting in a positive mindset and, and getting around people that can help guide you. And that's why I do what I do is that I understand that there's negative baggage that may show up. So let's just sit down and talk about it. Why is it there? Where did it come from? Why do you live like that? <laughs> you know? Um, you know, and some of that sounds really basic in nature, but that's, that's the starting point, you know, to making that change. And, um, you know, if you're, if your father or you have kids, man, there are people that are counting on you. Your wife wants to see you be the man that you can be. I'm willing to bet. Yeah, I know I wanted to be the man I yeah. wanted to be. There was a gap even, uh, with, within that circle of circles. <laughs> Well, there can be. <laughs> yeah, there there was. <laughs> well, Mike, how can men reach out and connect with you outside of the podcast? Yeah, so um my website is uh truemanlifecoaching.com and um you know my calendar's on my website. Um you can send me an email at mike at truemanlifecoaching.com. And listen, I am always willing to have a free initial consultation and talk with somebody. If there's a challenge going on there and let's talk about it, you know, maybe I'm a good fit for you. Maybe I'm not. That's why I do it. You know, there's personalities for everybody. And, and, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that if I can't help you or if you need other serious help or something, I will find somebody that can help you. And that's just the place that I come from. But, um, I always do a, a free initial consultation with people and, and, um, to find out where they're at and how we can help. So, and my podcast, you can find on my website, of course, right. Truemanpodcast.com, but it's, uh, 
it's it's on my website so absolutely well mike thank you so much my friend i appreciate it no i thank you for having me on i had a blast absolutely so much my friend for joining me on another episode if you found the information within the show helpful please leave a review on the platform you're listening to it helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free see you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there have a great one <laughs>